Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Sex Nerds, hello. Team fun. Oh, wouldn't it be weird if we were all on team fun? Because technically team fun is what we call like when you're in the bedroom with someone and you're having a good positive attitude about your sexuality. But that's a really big orgy. So <laughs> let's just keep it at Hey Sex Nerds. What's up? Okay, so Dave is not here today. Uh, he's off being a comedian and being amazing elsewhere. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about talking to kids pre-puberty about sexuality and i have bryn and melissa from the talking to teenagers and middle schoolers about sex episode because you know what we didn't do we didn't go through all your questions and we need to go through all your questions okay (laughs) and we're gonna chat a little bit but then we're gonna uh hand it off to a recording that i did uh at the sex science conference with Lene st john who aka the Mama Sutra, who talks about how to talk to your five-year-old about sex, and which is also incredibly important. So, before we get started, I would just like to say a few things. One, thank you for your iTunes comments. They warm my heart, and they help us stay in the mix for people to find our show, which I truly, truly adore you for that. Also, thank you for tweeting at Nerdist Channel and at Nerdist and letting them know that you want a visual aid to this podcast so please keep it up because uh, we would love to have a Nerdist channel show because it's needed it is needed and it would be tons of fun and I have all these crazy ideas for how to make it like super duper nerdy and exciting anyway so uh, that's a thing uh, and P.S. Pete Holmes and the You Made It Weird podcast is getting fan art up in this studio, and I'm looking at something that somebody made for him. Uh, first of all, Dave would, like I think, spontaneously ejaculate if some of you guys like sent us like art pieces, but if you want to animate something, send us like free gifts, you know, maybe not cookies, because then I think that you came in the batter, and then that would be weird. Um, I, I'll cut that part out. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that has been a conversation about... Anyway... Oh no, that was you a, just gave them the idea. <laughs> no, I um, someone brought me cookies to a show once, and that were in a heart with glittery, sparkly uh, sparkles, and, and they had imprinted "Sex Nerd Sandra" into the cookie, and it was the sweetest thing. I had met them at a friend's party previously, so I knew them. So I ate the cookies, but everyone around me was like, "Oh, you can eat those because like <laughs> they could be totally like laced with whatever." People have visited me and given me earrings in the shape of California that were really beautiful. Thank you, flowers. Um, God, I've had other things like just people have been awesome. I think someone just sent me a, a book they wrote, which actually was pretty good. I was started reading it. Anyway, um, what I'm saying is, is uh, Pete is getting lots of goodies sent, and I'm just saying, you know. Come on, guys. Sex nerds. Send us some cool stuff. I, you don't have to send me stuff, but iTunes comments and like some high fives. I love high fives. And if you see us walking down the street, don't stare at us funny and not say anything because it weirds me out. It's weird when people stare at me. They don't say anything until an hour later and they go, by the way, I like your podcast. Th- that was an hour of my life where I was concerned as to why you were staring at me. So don't do that. It's upsetting. And I'd prefer if you just said, hey, I like your show. And I'd be like, oh, okay, it's fine. That's all. Sorry, I don't know why I went off on that, but I just had to let that, you know, it's good. Honesty is the best policy. I just, that was, I needed to tell you that. And I love you guys. You know I love you. Anyway, on to these questions. Okay, talking to kids about sex. These are high schoolers and middle schooler questions. I have a few that I'm excited about that I have in my hands. Uh, That, uh, (laughs) I'm so excited. So that Bryn Zanaboni and Melissa Saltman who are educators uh, in the LA area talking to middle schoolers and high schoolers about sex. Uh, Hi guys. Hi. Hello. So let's bust these out. We'll we'll shower the listener with these amazing questions like mine. I'm going to start off with why do you fall asleep while you're having sex? Okay. If an egg is so small, why does your period last so long? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Are orgasms expensive? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, for the girls, are girls scared of penises? Hmm. Yes and no. <laughs> Depends what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about in the STI, you know, bumps, rashes. Anyways. <laughs> Sometimes they chase you with it. Uh, but I like playing tag. 
naked. Okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> continuing. What kind of intercourse is a hand job? Right. Oh. When you make girls squirt, what's coming out of her vagina? Water like a hose? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. Secret hoses. Uh, how do you perform vaginal sex? Like, do you really just go in and out, or is there more to the mechanics? Okay, that's a question we're still getting as that's adults. A great like, question. I get that question. There are so many things to know about that. Good question. Mm-hmm. Sex. That is a sex nerd just waiting mm-hmm. to happen. He's. I said he. Or like, she? is he? Yeah. Oh my god. Who am I? Sexist right now. Um. They totally said mechanics. Cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, those are all my questions. Keep going. Oh. Does a female breast have anything to do with sex? Somehow I get excited looking at it. <gasps> That's so Somehow. honest. So <laughs> honest. Uh, when can a person stop having intercourse? At what age? Whoa. They're already worried. <laughs> oh, my God. They're already over it. <laughs> 60. <laughs> when can bored. I stop doing this? <laughs> Never. Oh, my God. People have sex until the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do mm-hmm. it. Right. If you want. What do you got? You got oh, um, yeah. How do you do abstinence? <laughs> At least it's it's out there. It's how do you do it? An op- it's an option. Well, there are mechanics. Right. I'm just kidding. The absence <laughs> of mechanics. The mechanics of abstinence. The abstaining yes. of abstinence. Yeah, exactly. Or, hmm. I abstain from abstinence. <laughs> yeah. See what I did there? Okay. <laughs> yes. Double negative. Um, does masturbation have an effect on the future? <laughs> on the future? On the future. <laughs> Stare into it's my crystal scrotum. Exactly. Oh, I did. Oh, that was weird. Who am I? Yes. <laughs> Are there cannibal or human flavored condoms for those that like the taste of the genitals? Have any more, Bryn? Oh, uh, let's. See. I do like. Why is it called Planned Parenthood if you don't want it? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, half of pregnancies are not even planned. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, jeez. Um, what ha- what happens if a tampon gets stuck? Mm-hmm. Which is important. I like the one. Well, we don't have. I don't have it in front of me. But the question was, what is spooning? Not in the silverware way. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Yeah. Oh, I also enjoy. Um, can you still sex when you love the Lord? <laughs> oh. God oh, must be present. A <laughs> yeah. There's a question. Yeah. That's Try a- not to step on anyone to- anyone's toes with that one. <laughs> right. That's a hard one to answer. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Do you have any others? Because that question is, like, really intense. Like, I used to be confused as to how God, like, was God judging me when I was, like, in the shower, like, watching me shower. Mm. Like, God's watching me and yep. stuff. Oh. And Santa. Santa's watching, too. Santa he knows. and Jesus are watching you God. in the shower. Totally. Both of them. Um, I don't know if I should go here, but if a girl enjoys it, is it still rape? Ooh. Oh. oh. That's heavy, man. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's a mix of feelings right there. Mm-hmm. For sure. They're thinking. Right, but yes. Yes. Yes, it is. That's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do if someone likes you and you don't like them? That's a hard one. Yeah. God. I want the answer to that one. Mm -hmm. This makes me want want to have babies so that I can watch them be adorable and ask these (laughs) adorable questions. (laughs) Or just borrow my friend's kids. (laughs) (laughs) That's easier. How do you know you're satisfying your partner? God, so these are, I mean, these are questions we still have as adults. Yeah. A lot of people should ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, man. All right. Um, so while we were chatting before we started recording, Melissa, you said that you got a lot of your info from the American Pie movie as, as a teenager. I did. It uh, came out right, right when I hit ninth grade. Okay. Okay. So I remember seeing that movie and being really angry because there was a scene where they talked about how if you double your condom mm-hmm. and they never so corrected it so you wear two condoms I know. and be extra safe which is not accurate at all Mm-mm. that was I mean talk about it. inaccurate sex information in mainstream movies so annoying mm-hmm. um, but yeah like what kind of info did you pull from it good or bad well I'm glad I didn't pull that from it yeah <laughs> that's not something I remembered but um yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to have a movie like that and you know that that's your demographic, I think it's really irresponsible to have mm. any misinformation in it. What I, honestly, I did not understand ejaculation. Mm. I didn't know ejaculation happened until mm. that movie. Um, at really? All. Oh, wow. I mean, I had, you know, all the diagrams and all the science and sperm and egg, but I don't think anyone ever told me how the sperm, how semen, how sperm in semen gets out of 
the penis or the male body at all mm-hmm. um, until, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And until you, um, you know, in walks an apple pie, and now I get it. <laughs> I see, yeah. Although I didn't understand. Okay, well, I was a little bit older, and I had been talking to people about fallopian tubes since I was like nine. So like, I was like, really, that right. makes me happy. Yeah. Oh, I feel very fortunate. Um, but I did not understand how the looseness of apple filling could have possibly gotten him to actually ejaculate. I was very confused about that. But you know, sexy, you know, whatever, you know, hey, whatever. Um, but anyway. Before we get into uh, my interview with Lene St. John, uh, you did mention something about oral sex, like the oral sex attitudes of teenagers. Um, what? Tell me. <laughs> you, you, you like hinted at it, and now I really want to know. Oh, definitely. Well, I, it's something. Well, with oral sex, I believe it, not just with teenagers, but with a lot of people, mm-hmm. including adults, they don't really understand that there's risks involved with with oral sex. I mean, especially with. Uh, with in the high school curriculum, we talk about the risks involved, and they they never really get it. Like no teenagers and a lot of adults that I know have yeah. never heard of a dental dam. Uh, don't know that you're supposed to use a condom during oral sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and HPV's on the rise too. And gonorrhea of the throat. Right. H- HPV of the throat. Yeah. Gonorrhea yeah. of the throat. Mm-hmm. Totally. And um, and there's just it's it, it's one of those things that um, people just made light of. Um, it's. Um, In talking about virginity, especially, um, a lot of people think that, you know, if you're not having vaginal intercourse, then you are still technically Mm -hmm. a virgin. Um, Bryn and I have some issues with that word in general. Mm -hmm. Um, We just had a virginity podcast and we have a lot of listeners who are post high school who are still virgins. So it's a very special thing to our Mm -hmm. listeners. Yeah. Just a very vague, vague term. Um, We always have to define it or Mm -hmm. or say that there is no definition of it um, in the Mm -hmm. classroom. But um, just that basically oral sex kind of steps in for um, for like, you know, teens with left to their devices. They still want to experience sex Mm -hmm. and pleasure. And, you know, a lot of them think, well, I'm not a virgin if I or I am, I can still be a virgin if I only have oral sex or anal sex. Right, so they probably don't have to worry about STDs, STIs, and all that stuff. And um, it seems to be somewhat, just anecdotally from, it seems to be a double standard. Um, There's not much talk about oral sex on a female. It's Mm -hmm. always... um, Giving blowjobs. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes even if I mention... um, you know, oral sex in a female. I would never say cunnilingus in a middle school classroom. Mm-hmm. But um, it's like, oh, what? What's going on? What? <laughs> what? What is that? Um, when you mention oral sex on a female? Yeah, mm-hmm. or if they're talking about that and I say or for a female or mm-hmm. or for a girl and it's like hushed a lot of times. Um, so... Wow, and the crowd goes silent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, you know, we've gotten uh, calls from schools and, and people worried about this um, that there's... There's a lot of oral sex going on. Right. Um, and no one's framing it pre-puberty. Like, it's just, you know that sex is happening. And you pick up these cues. Uh, you're watching primetime TV. They're referencing oral sex mm-hmm. and sex, you know, all these things. I mean, let's not pretend to be coy here. Right. We need to either be proactive about it. I mean, we need to be, we need to be proactive about it in, in creating a framework for mm-hmm. kids and teenagers to be talking about and understanding these things and understanding, you know, how to communicate about that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure involved mm-hmm. um, speaking with like a group of young girls who are kind of being more candid. I got a very good sense that that's just one group, but mm-hmm. just a very good sense of, of that. There's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. When I was one of my first times being alone with the boy like he definitely like busted out his penis and was like <laughs> he didn't like bust it out but like it was there and he really <laughs> wanted a blowjob like oh. he's and i remember knowing i knew in my gut that i wasn't ready mm-hmm. and i said no i don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. so i didn't do it and i felt very good about that decision but i'd also come from a place where i i just knew my boundaries and like, i was mm-hmm. pretty decent about that but i think if i had done it anyway mm-hmm. i would yeah, that would have spun into a whole mm. world of weird feelings. Right. I would have just grown and grown as I got older. So it's very important the work you do, and and thank you for talking about the oral sex thing because it's in this weird fuzzy area no one talks about. Mm-hmm. No, you guys, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so segueing into talking to kids pre um, pre puberty about sex. Wait, you had a really oh oh there was a tip like there was a really important tip you talked about before we started recording about. Tell me about the tip. This is the tip. 
So we were talking about um, giving information in in little chunks. Mm -hmm. Um, So depending on, you know, the child's age, um, a lot of a lot of people hear, you know, a question about babies or pregnancy and, you know, outcome the encyclopedias and the diagrams and the whole long story. Um, But sometimes they just want a smaller answer than that, Mm -hmm. Um, a more simple answer. And it might be another year or two before you know, before you do have to go into all of that, um, depending on what you want to do. But um, so I think Bryn... Keeping it simple and uh, keeping your answer simple and then following it up with, did that answer your question? Right. Is that, you know, do you have any more questions? Because I think... Letting, yeah, letting letting the young person guide the conversation. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to jump into the encyclopedia and talk about like, well, the sperm travels from the epididymis through the vast deferens and then exits the penis during a moment called ejaculation. And it's like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. They just just want to know where babies come from. Right. No, dang, did that answer your question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really powerful because they might, because when they get that weird look like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess, then you know, oh, no, I didn't fully answer it. Let's continue. Versus like, yeah. I'm going to go outside and play now. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) And like a good example of that is, you know, the answer of um, a woman has a uterus and that's where she carries her baby. It's actually not her stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, That might suffice for then. Um, Mm -hmm. It might not be, well, how did it get there? That might be next. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. And actually when you're just teaching people about anything, if you let people, like if you give them like a tidbit, a snack of info and then they go, well, wait a minute what is the uterus Mm -hmm. then that's more of an active teaching style definitely that it absorbs way faster definitely it gets processed yeah the wheels are turning oh listeners sex nerds this is so important i'm emotional um i don't know why i'm fake emotional but actually truly this is so important and i'm i'm passionate about this because um you know like i feel like humanity what we do with every generation bleeds through to the next generation to the next generation and the more that we can create change and in a positive healthy mind view in what's happening now with with the kids that are growing up right now the more we can get past a lot of these weird shame issues sooner and the more we can feel good about our sexuality the more we can feel better about ourselves and the more we can kind of live our lives in a better way it kind of affects everything yeah, yes. definitely. So that's what the show's about. So do you want to see your Twitter and your email account for people that want to say hi to you? Sure. Yeah. You can follow me at Miss Sex Ed, M-I-S-S underscore S-E-X underscore E-D. And you can email me at Melissa Saltman at gmail.com. That's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-S-O-L-T-M-A-N at gmail. Excellent. Um, all right. So enjoy this interview with the sweetheart that is Lene St. John, a.k.a. the Mama Sutra. I was very tired at this conference because there was so much conferencing going on. I could barely hold my iPhone because I was typing so much. So forgive me if I sound really tired. I am. Uh, I love you guys. Enjoy. I'm here with Lene St. John. Who see now? You to me are like a Twitter celebrity because I always see you as the Mama Sutra on Twitter. Yeah. So, um, Lene is a board-certified sexologist, a sex educator, and the sexy mama's blogger for the Good Vibes magazine. So that's like super cool because that's a lot of things. Thank you. You're welcome. And I am talking to you right now in this really fancy hotel room mm-hmm. because you blog specifically about talking to kids about sex, right? And right. sexuality as, as a parent. Right. I have, I am a parent. I have two girls. Um, one of the things that I wanted to start studying sexuality back before I had kids, and it really wasn't until both of my girls were born, um, that I just, I kind of came back full circle. Um, when they were born, I lived in Germany, and I saw firsthand how they were very different in Europe about how they approached sexuality. You know, childhood sexuality, you could take the kids to the pool, and kids could be naked at the public pool, and no one looked twice. And it was the first summer that we moved back to the States that I realized that there was something really, really different about the American society, American culture, because having grown up here myself, being an American... The first summer I took them to the pool here, I noticed that I taught them how to change out of their swimsuits okay. in a towel. 
So completely covering themselves up as opposed to being naked like they did, like they were at the pool in Germany. So it was like, wait a second, what? nothing changed. The girls didn't change at all. You know, it was like maybe a season different. I was just talking to someone about the difference between like shaming your child if you see them touching themselves or um, mm-hmm. like what is that when, when a parent or, or a guardian will be like, stop touching yourself or like, why are you doing that? Or like, you know, oh, that's dirty. Don't do that. All of those sorts of things is that it's like we, we feel this eroticism, like, like by being present when someone is being sexual with themselves, especially a family member, mm-hmm. that there's this eroticizing of them being sexual when really there's not a space to like look at somebody in your family and going, hey, that feels really good. Why don't you do that in private? Yeah, good for you. Like the, yeah. the, it, it's immediately in this like weird like, oh my god, no, 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 we can't be in the same space, and you be nah, like, like brain shut down. Well, and that's what I grew up with. You know, my mom shamed me. I, I, I can't imagine um, doing that to my own kids. You know, one of the first conversations I had with my oldest, and I think she was five at the time. Um, I had a bullet vibrator in my bathroom drawer. Mm-hmm. And I was in brushing my teeth one morning. She came in to get a hairbrush, and she pulls open the drawer, and she finds my bullet vibrator. Wait, how old were you? She was five at the time. She's nine now. And she opened the drawer, and she pulled out my bullet vibrator. It was a shiny little tiny one, and it looked it was red. It looked like a lipstick. She's like, Mom, what's this? Brushing my teeth, I'm like, it's nothing. Put it away. <laughs> Put it back. And she's like, no, what is it? And I had just started studying at the Institute. And it was one of those Institute of the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. And it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, this is what I'm studying. And I didn't yet know that I was going to focus on childhood sexuality. So I was like, it's a vibrator. She's like, what's it for? <laughs> you know, she's she's going on. She's all happy about it. Like twisting the vibrator in your hand yeah, right now. I'm, I'm making the motion of a little kid like playing with the vibrator and twisting it. And I said, it's for your private parts. Now, by this time, she's got it on. And she's going all over, all your over face. her nose, all her cheeks, her forehead. And she's like, it tickles. I said, imagine what it feels like on your private parts. She turned it off put it back in the drawer, closed the drawer, and walked out of the room. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was our first conversation about anything sexual, really. Well, we'd had books from Germany that were sex positive or really just kind of talked about um, the fact that children are sexual, children are, um, you know, that they'll, they have books that just talk about what the parts of the body are and they don't shame about it. It's just very factual. So you like, like age appropriate, age appropriate books that address, um, naming different body parts. You know, they make no difference between ear and nose and penis or vulva or, um, you know, all the parts of the body. Right. Cause those are, I w- as a child, I was told that my vulva was like, you called that a flower that confused me for years. I was like, why? I don't understand. Is it a euphemism? Like, is it supposed to bloom? (laughs) Like, I didn't understand. Like, it just confused the hell out of me as a nine-year-old. Oh, probably earlier. By by nine, I kind of figured things out that things weren't floral. Um, (laughs) But uh, so so when you were saying that your mom had shamed you, but uh, you went into the story about your own child, I was thinking, I thought you were going to go into a story about how your mom had shaped me. Would you, can you share like what the comparison to how you remember that? Well, I don't actually remember that, but I know from experience with my mom, with my own kids, she didn't want me to let them touch themselves. And I said, well, it's their body. You know, I would, I would rather have them get to know their own body as opposed to, you know, not understanding it and then having someone else introduce them to pleasure or to how things feel or how they, how they feel about their own bodies. And so, you know, I knew how she felt about it. And so I just kind of told my girls, grandma isn't real big on touching. You know, she thinks that really only nasty, naughty, dirty girls do that. And it's really, you know, little, little did she know that it's nasty, naughty, dirty in the good way. 
you know so well that's great to at least give them a heads up so that they have some sort of framework to process it's almost like giving kids a heads up as to you may see naked images online this may be something that you see and it may be a little intense just so you know it's you know and just giving someone like how would you just I don't have children so Mm -hmm. I haven't prepared a prepubescent person Mm -hmm. to deal with online porn and I Mm -hmm. have yet to get into an interview about that but I mean you it's well, better to let someone get, get give them a heads up instead of just letting them stumble across anal, you know, yeah. DP or something. <laughs> wow. I would, well, that's just it. You know, one of the things that I've done recently, um, I have a friend who has um, a daughter who's eight and she has an eye touch that she plays with. Mom's, she takes mom's phone and she plays with that. And she Googled or she YouTubed an animal's, a horse's penis. She wanted to see a horse's penis on YouTube. And I can't imagine what images she pulled up. But the mom said, you know, I tried really hard to channel you and, and to talk to her <laughs> about, you know, not shaming her about it and just trying to find out what it was that she wanted to see. And so I talked to my friend about, um, have you ever seen the Green Porno series by Isabella Rossellini? Oh, my God. Wait, is, wait, is that about, like, nature and sexuality? Yeah. It's so bizarre and awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was one of the areas that I talked to her about. I said, well, you know, if she's interested in an animal's penis, maybe she's interested in reproduction. So ask her, you know, what is it, what is it you're looking for? And let's sit down and do this together. And so one of the things I think a parent really just has to be very present and mindful and, and pay attention to what their kids are interested in. You know, you're, you could stumble upon your kid trying to google vulva or vagina or boobs you know and and it's really google is not the best resource but it's the first place kids are going to go because you know they have access google knows everything right google knows everything yeah exactly so but it's not the best resource to teach your kids about sex and so if you're being a present mindful parent you can actually see what they're interested in or you can ask them you know i'll give you an example um, one of my friend's daughter is developing her breasts. You know, she's, she's starting to get boobs. She's nine years old and she is, she wanted to Google boobs and to do a little advanced research, I Googled boob and they're not representative of the female anatomy. <laughs> Was it a whole lot of implants? And I mean, I'm sure I've Googled boobs, but I mean, no, I yeah, no, it imagine. was it was like really, it's it's the exaggerated stuff that you're gonna find on the internet, right? It's the entertainment value extremes for it's not for education. Yeah, no, 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 no. So I talked to the I talked to the parent of this daughter, and we discussed what it was that we could look at to. Um, the images that we could look at that were representative. We tried to find images that were representative of the female body because it's not just the boobs that, you know, the kid is interested in. She's really kind of more interested in the body. And so we looked and we found um, classic fine art of, you know, Gauguin's, the native women. Um, We found some other images that were, um, you know, they're really more, kind of the whole body as opposed to just focusing on one area. Right, and interesting body shapes. I mean, a lot more curves. Right. It's right. not just super skinny and bam, boobs. Right, right. Yeah, so it's, it's, and it's the classical, you know, form. So it's not just, you know, emaciated figures or the, you know, the stuff that we're seeing photoshopped every day now. So um, it was interesting, too, because, you know, once she got those images and once we talked about them, you know, it's like the the real fascination with it kind of went away, you know? So it was almost like acknowledging it and being okay and like showing her that it was okay to be okay, to be interested in that. And then it just kind of, eh, she was done with it. It's almost like when you take, it's, a, it's like making alcohol illegal. Suddenly you really want it, like the prohibition. It's mm-hmm. like, as soon as you bring out breasts out in the open, like, okay, well, these are breasts. Suddenly yeah. it's legal and fine to get that thing. And yeah. you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's not that interesting yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. So we did the same thing with, um, um, like, a month later, she came back and she wanted to see um, vulva. She was interested in what her clitoral hood was. She pulled down the pants. Up. I want to know what this is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that one was a little more... Uh, 
uh, bold. Kids are great like, that way. <laughs> they just really throw no you a curse. No shame. Exactly. No shame. But you see, the thing is that like, you never know when a kid or like, you want to be proactive about talking to your kids. You don't want to wait until they're all like Googling clitoral yeah. things. Like yeah. you want to get on that horse before they do. Yeah. Well, and, and fortunately, I mean, being I a sexologist. Re- I feel really bad saying horse because we just talked about horse penises. And that, that's kind of <laughs> weird. But moving on. Get back on that horse. Yeah. Um, well, the uh, once she Googled vulva or vagina. I um, we talked about what it was she was interested in, and she wanted to see this one thing in particular. And so I grabbed five books off my bookshelf. And I guess as a sexologist, I have lots of books that are good resources. And I found um, Rena Robertson's "I'll Show You Mine," which is similar to Nick Karras's "Petals." It's basically real live images, or not live, but real images of real women and the variations of the vulva and the variations of of you know, the female anatomy or the female genitalia. Um, so there are those two books that we pulled out. And we also pulled out um, It's Perfectly Normal by Roby Harris, which is a, a kid's book about puberty and about sexuality. Um, that one is written for kids. Wait, so the first two uh, are for adults, but the It's Perfectly Normal is a great one to get to give to a child. It's a great one for a parent to read first before they go through with their child. But yeah, it's definitely it's that one is specifically for kids. But those other two books, the um, the ones of the pictures of the vulva, um, I wanted to compare to give them something to compare to. So they were able to see the cartoonized illustrations in the Roby Harris book, the the kids book, which is you know just a cartoon drawing of the vulva. But for them to see that there are natural variations in how women look once they go through puberty, once they've gone through all the changes and they're now adult, that there's, that there's a difference. You know, some people shave, some people don't. You know, one thing I heard today in one of the presentations here at Quad S was, um, because Nina Hartley was talking about uh, mm-hmm. how there's now a version of a mullet where, right. <laughs> where you got the party in the front and the business in the back. <laughs> You got a hair in the front and then nothing. Um, or at least that's the trend now. And then this book, it's got something similar. You know, you have, you've got everything. You've got full bush. You've got no bush. You've got it all. I remember so. um, learning, like getting the handout in fifth grade about this is how your body's about to change. And it was like, I think steps one through five. And each one was the female's um, just pubic area and just more and more hair would like each stage there was just more hair and so I was constantly like am I at stage two or stage three am I at stage one or two and just like feeling like that was the only way to understand where I was in the puberty process was this one poorly drawn like this is like once you're at five you're a woman so until Mm -hmm. you've got pubic hair like closer to your knees you're not (laughs) I know like I just that was stuck with me for a long time and it was really frustrating that was the only sort of being able to figure out when I was becoming more of a woman. Like, I remember that and being like, ah. Well, you're not the only person because there are similar drawings with breasts. So you see, like, the little breast buds, and then you see the next photo, and it's a little bit bigger. I mean, it's like... Yeah, and I never got to the C's. <laughs> like, I just never got there. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> well, yeah, and so that's... I mean, that's also why I thought showing them the book, I'll Show You Mine, and Petals, was really giving them a realistic view of what you know, what is coming, you know? So, um, and then there were two other books that I pulled out. Um, Alexander Ciaris's, I think I'm pronouncing that last name, right? Mm-hmm. It was the, um, Envision sexual health book, mm-hmm. which that one had, um, that has medical models, mm-hmm. you know, pictures of medical models. So they were able to see, you know, a little bit of everything else. So, um, kind of the, the veins and the nerves and all the different, I want things. that one. That one's really cool. Yeah. That's a great book. I mean, every time I go to Planned Parenthood, I, I just stare at the anatomy charts like, these are so thorough. I love these. You are a sex nerd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was taking, like, <laughs> iPhone photos of them, and, yeah. like, I need to buy these for my bathroom. Yeah. But anyway, that's just me. Um, anybody uh, want to – I'm just going to throw that out there as a wish list item. If anyone wants to buy me <laughs> Planned Parenthood anatomy genital charts, uh, that would make me really happy. Anyway. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. It's – well, it's – or – my birthday's, you know, just just do it because you love me. <laughs> anyway, exactly. Um, okay, so 
I want to give uh, tips and like, re- like something for parents to hold on to when they are trying to approach their child, whether the child is seven or 12. It's never too early to start talking to your kid about age-appropriate sex education, really. Yeah. Age-appropriate uh, age is key, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm not going to give someone the safe sex um, speech when they're three. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. They won't, um, they won't hear it. Right. Yeah, they won't understand. But um, you had mentioned that you have some building blocks that are wonderful. It's like I have this seven-part amps like breakdown of pleasure that mm-hmm. really helps me and other people in terms of how to please someone and fit, you know geek out mm-hmm. in the pleasure process. This is like that, but for talking to kids about sex. So can you just let me know like the, the five? Yeah. Well, these are concepts that I came up with that are not about how to have sex. You know, it's not teaching them positions. It's not te- that's way early. I mean, you, you're you're talking about stuff that is the really the building blocks, the foundation, the the building blocks of talking to your kids about sex. And when we say sex, we mean like sexual health, like having a balanced and positive viewpoint of themselves, just as sexual beings. Or being, yeah, being able to develop a healthy adult sexuality. So, you know, these concepts are in preparation for the later talks that are going to happen in puberty or the, you know, puberty education classes they're going to have in school. But generally speaking, I think if you're waiting until your kids are in school to have these conversations with them, you're waiting. It's, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like trying to teach a kid basic math when they already know multiplication. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's, they're past that. So... It's not about how to have intercourse or how to have intercourse, but it's really, like I said, the building blocks. And they are communication, consent, respect, pleasure, and fantasy. And I really see them as blocks that are stacked up one on top of the, on top of the other. And consent Wait, is so, so like you want to start with the first one, which is communication. You don't start with fantasy. It's not you want to start with yeah. number one. Well, and and so communication, consent, and respect in a lot of ways have to do with um, being able to talk about how you're feeling. So, or not only how you're feeling. So communication, you're talking about, um, you're learning about how to express your emotions, how to express um, things that you're feeling. Um, The consent piece, you know, one thing I've seen parents do a lot, you know, and this also kind of gets into that stranger danger thing. Um, You have a, a niece or a nephew that comes into town and they haven't seen you in a while and you crouch down to give them a hug. Come give me a hug. Come give your auntie a hug. Um, and the kid kind of wants to stay next to mom. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of families who will say, Oh, just go grab her and give her a hug. It's like, well, no, the kid is teaching you or telling you they're not comfortable coming to you right now. And they're teaching you that they have a boundary that they're not willing to cross. That is so important. I've been forced to hug creepy people in childhood so often. Yeah. They're letting other people around them know I'm not comfortable with this right now. And the other thing, too, is adults have to be okay with not giving them guilt about, oh, you don't want to hug your grandma. You know, like... That's messed up. Right, because then it becomes first aid territory. Like, well, you don't want to touch my penis? <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, you know, we adults have to know that it's okay for a kid not to want to give me a hug, you know, or it's okay for me not to want to get a kiss or, or them not to want to give me a kiss. Um, but there are a lot of families who say, you know, oh, just just go grab them. Or, or they'll give the kid a guilt trip about the fact that, you know, they don't want to give a hug or a kiss. But yeah, 10 years later, mm-hmm. they're experiencing that same kind of guilt possibly mm-hmm. in a sexual context. But in, pre- in their childhood, they were, they were pushed to move through that and still yeah. do the thing. Yeah. So that pattern continues on mm-hmm. through their life. Mm-hmm. Heavy man. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's one example of how important the consent piece is. You know, and it's, it's learning boundaries. And, but it's also respect to some extent, you know, so respect is that next one and it's about self-respect and it's about respect for others. And so many times we teach kids that they are, you know, if they're boy girl relationships, um, Oh, is so-and-so your boyfriend or, Oh, is so-and-so your girlfriend? And it's about just being okay with your kids having friends of the opposite sex when they're young, because at some point, you know, they're going to need to interact with that other gender. And when kids get into that middle school age, you know, it's like 
it's like this the parting of the red sea that happens you know you can't interact anymore with the opposite gender so are you saying as a parent to not box in their relationships as inherently sexual just because they're friends with the opposite sex yeah yeah right like we're dealing with enough shame let's not yeah that's great i I mean because i haven't really thought about these things in depth Mm -hmm. um but yeah, experiencing someone else projecting onto values mm-hmm. uh, on your own relationships, and that goes into like your forties and fifties and beyond oh, in terms yeah. of other people being like, "So is he? Is he fuck buddy? Are you guys? Are you guys together?" It's like, well, we're just <laughs> we're friends, but there is spark there. Like, why are you trying to define my relationship? Leave mm-hmm. me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it happens from when we're little. Yeah, we do it to each other when, or we do it to our kids when they're little. Heavy. I mean, it's not really heavy. It's exciting. I'm excited right now. Good. Okay. Um, how do you start the conversation? Like, do you wake them up in the middle of the night and be like, I can't <laughs> talk to you? Like, no. no. <laughs> you share a glass of wine? I don't know yeah, what you do. Well, the communication piece happens a lot of different ways. Okay. And it can be something as easy as um, talking about some media that you see. So you see, uh, let me think of an example. Um, I saw the movie mean girls with my daughters Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of stuff in there to talk about actually that's not the best example um easy a remember that one yes oh i love the movie easy a i love that movie but my girls are still eight and nine and i i haven't chosen to see that with them yet Mm -hmm. although i love that movie yeah emma stone man oh that i i am yeah Sure. I love the parents in that movie. Can I just tell you the <laughs> parents in that movie? Patricia Clarkson and, and Stanley yeah, Tucci. Yeah. Like, I so love good. them. I love yeah. them. Okay. I'm trying to think of an example. Well, in touching on communication, talking to your kids, there are oftentimes a word or uh, there'll be a word that pops up, like the word sexy. You know, there's that song, I'm sexy and I know it. Or... I am bringing sexy back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so kids will say, kids will throw out the word, you know, sexy or mom, what does sexy mean? And I have a friend who tried to explain sexy to her daughter and say, oh, it just means hot. And she was, she thought she was kind of getting away with that one and going to let it slide. And the the eight year old daughter was going to, oh, okay, that's fine. And she did. The daughter was like, oh, okay. But there was a 12 year old brother who was like, mom, it doesn't mean a temperature hot. It means good looking. And so the daughter then was walking around saying, I'm sexy. And the mom, the mom was like, oh, my God, what do I do here? And so yeah, using defining one word by another word that's ambiguous, not really helpful. Yeah, not helpful. <laughs> not helpful. But, I mean, sexy is a word that, that is it's a difficult term to, to try to help your kids understand. But, um, you know, going through little examples um there could be a music video it could be a, a popular song um snm the song snm when that came out mm-hmm. um my girls were singing that in the car and uh i was like do you guys know what the words of that song mean do you know what that means and um let's see it was uh snm oh now now the only song i'm thinking of is um uh by two live crew i i have like i think i have like um music lyric blindness and i think it may be my mom took a sip of wine in the womb right when that was forming in my brain so i have very little ability to uh, <laughs> be able to identify lyrics well <laughs> sorry so mommy. an example i um i asked my own daughter do you know what sexy means and my daughter said sexy is when two people kiss three times without taking their lips apart. And I, I kind of laughed at that. I was like, okay, that's, that's, you know, it's an eight-year-old definition of what she thought sexy was. Adorbs. Yeah. And so I responded to her. I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. And I was kind of laughing. And she says, it's also when a woman walks like this. And then she demonstrated this smooth, cat-like, slow strut, like with her eyes looking down where it's very... Was very like, was she sexy like she, she was, like throwing out the sexy vibe she, when she was did throwing that? out jessica rabbit from who framed roger rabbit and i know my kids have never seen that movie so but I mean, she just she knew like the cat cat like smooth strut like so whether we like it or not our kid that's telling me that yes kids 
are picking up these signals from media, TV mm-hmm. shows, movies, commercials. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, they're going to see a Budweiser commercial or, or two. Oh, yeah. And they know what that – like, they, they've seen it, whether they can process it or not. And our jobs as adults helping kids through this is helping them understand what they're seeing in a, a accepting and positive light. Well, positive in that, like, not being like – just you know don't look away yeah look away <laughs> uh, ignore that forever until you're 18 and then i'm not helping you anymore mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. okay um yeah yeah so that was uh, that's an example of communication so really just talking to them asking them what they know because that's another way to really get started on these conversations you can correct misinformation um you can give them a little more information than they had in the first place right because the worst thing you can do is assume that they know or don't know something and assume what the terms mean to them. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge disconnect when you start talking at a person without understanding where they're coming from. Well, the best, the best example I can think of, of that is when a preschooler, you know, you, you're telling a story or you're reading a story, not a video. You're not letting them watch a video, but you're reading a story. There was a story um, where you're talking about a coxcomb, like a, a rooster's comb, right? Um, where a parent would or where an adult goes with the coxcomb, completely different. But where a child will go with that is they'll literally picture the thing that you use to go through your hair and smooth, you know, a comb. Mm-hmm. And so it's that adults have a different meaning, and they automatically, a lot of adults will assume the child understands that same meaning that they think of. So I had a conversation with my kids about sexual innuendo and, and uh, euphemisms, you know, so they know what beaver, is, <laughs> they know, right. like, you know, and that's the b- basis of a lot of jokes within media as well. So they'll, you know, they'll see hats that say beaver, you know, right. And they know what it is now. The beave. Anyway, yeah. what? Um, <laughs> so in terms of communication, just checking in about if understanding definitions for mm-hmm. things, uh, word choice, innuendo, and just getting it started there to make sure they have the right tools to sort of process things that they're seeing. Cause it's, you gotta be proactive. You do have to be pro you do have to be proactive. I mean, not that long ago, there was a story of, um, kids on a playground in New Ulm, Minnesota playing rape tag. Yikes. Okay. I never would have thought to define the term rape for my kids, but these kids had heard the term and instead of a version of freeze tag, where freeze tag is that game that you play tag, but when you're touched, someone else can, who's free can run around and touch you and make you free again. Okay. So evidently this rape tag was, you would like dry hump to get freed, but the kids were calling it rape tag. Sick. It's it's like when people call uh, under sh- under tank tops uh, wife beaters, uh-huh. and I realize that's really entrenched in the culture that we call them wife beaters. But seriously, can we just call can them muscle shirts yeah. or something Stop else? Stop calling them that because that is not okay. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, right. I can I'll let a lot slide because I'm all about humor and being casual with language. But wife, it's calling a, a tank top a wife beater is not okay. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the last two building blocks. Okay. The last two are pleasure and fantasy. Now, the big one, I think, pleasure. If we're going to tell kids that they can't engage each other sexually, we got to give them some outlet. And we need to help them understand that pleasure is more than just sexual touch, that a hug can feel really good. A hug can evoke tears. It can soothe tears. Um, just the power of human touch, that, that is pleasure in itself. Um, and fantasy, one example of fantasy um, you know, kids are able to play role play when they're little and, you know, yeah, cops and robbers. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as kids get older, there's this change that happens where girls continue to fantasize about, uh, house. I mean, this all that, that gender, very specific play that seems to get perpetuated in, in our society where girls dream about houses and marriage and babies and all the toys i wanted to be gi joe but i had to play house yes but i do remember fantasy of that sort yeah well and if you see fantasy for adolescent boys it turns to 
you know, Dungeons and Dragons and war games and um, paintball and stuff like that. But there's not really an equivalent for girls. So, well, just to, I play D and D. Lots of lots of adult females are now coming into D and D, and paintball is a heck of a good time. Um, but yeah, right. There's what you're saying is that females don't necessarily have the kind of physical outlet that males might. Exactly. Although sports, but now it's More, it's a little bit. Yeah, it's it's changing. But if you really think about kind of how girls are socialized, they're more socialized. Well, especially with how we gender split all of our toys, pink toys, right. you know, the Legos that came out and they were shopping Legos. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Okay. It's more about just giving them permission to, that, you know, that they can fantasize and they don't have to you know, stop fantasizing. They don't have to be an adult. They don't have to grow up. They have to be able to understand that it's okay to fantasize because there are a lot of adults who, you know, kind of get stunted in that, oh, stop fantasizing, stop, you know, live in the real world, live in the, you know, hopefully you know where I'm going with this. Um, Keep exploring the things that you, uh, your fantasy life, you know, stay in that zone, write some fan fiction or something. Yeah, yeah. Stay with the fantasy. Stay with understanding that it's okay to have fantasies. You know, there are a lot of adult adults who, as they develop into their sexuality, you know, they don't acknowledge that they fantasize, you know, or they're not able to communicate the fantasies that they have to be able to, you know, partner with their partners. How would you encourage your child to keep the fantasies? Because it doesn't have to, have to necessarily, we've just talked about non-sexual fantasies. Like, how do you go like, hey, it's fine to... Like, what do you say? Like, how do you go into like a, hey, by the way, kid I gave birth to a while ago, <laughs> uh, keep fantasizing. It's fine. Like, I, I don't know how to, like, or is it, I don't know how. I think it's more, it's more just acknowledging to them that it's okay. You know, um, you don't have to say, you know, keep fantasizing about, uh, you know, the neighbor boy. Or, I mean, that that's fine too, you know. Um, like, what do some parents do that would be the opposite of encouraging fantasy? Well, the opposite of encouraging fantasy is telling your kid to just grow up. You know, we tell our kids to grow up all the time. Where we say, hey, you know, just just knock it off. You know, stop stop playing Dungeons and Dragons. Stop um, playing video games. You know, stop. Grow up and and go get a job and I mean those things are important too obviously um but it's like we we take away the permission to to play and play and having fun are some of the best things in life exactly exactly that's it all right so well thank you thank you for (laughs) thank you for sharing that with with me and and all the sex nerds out there thank you I had a great time so, Lene St. John, at the Mama Sutra on Twitter. All one word. Uh, any other places people can come visit you, online um, or otherwise? I do a lot of work on Facebook. Most of the stuff I post is female sexual empowerment and sex-positive parenting. So you can find some good stuff on Facebook. Sweet. And people can hire you for coaching and workshops or what is your... Uh, Most definitely. Okay. Most definitely. Yeah. And you're in the Bay Area. I am. I'm in uh, up in northern um in marin county okay. i'm in marin county all right cool well, thank you for all your amazing work out there i'm so glad we got to meet finally yeah. at the conference yeah that's fantastic okay finally get to meet sex nerd sandra <laughs> <laughs> all right sex nerds over now now leaving nerdist.com